back to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we bring a member on, of the club onto the show to talk about a movie of their choice. This movie could be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between, anything goes. I'm your host this week, Cynthia Lee, and joining me is Stephanie Chuang. Hello. <laughs> Stephanie, you've been on this podcast before, right? Yes, I have. I talked about Atonement a couple months ago, which was a, a good film that I really liked. It's a very, very sad film yeah. as well. I highly recommend people check it out. I was not part of that podcast, but, you know, just real sad times oh whenever t- I watch that film. Yeah. But... So, but we're not talking about <laughs> Atonement this week. We're back to talk about The Greatest Showman. Dire- yes, The Greatest Showman, directed by Michael Garvey or Garvey. This is his first... His directorial debut, I believe. He, yeah, his directorial debut. It stars Hugh Jackman, Zac Efron, Zendaya, Michelle Williams. Just a stacked cast in general, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. And um, so I think we should just right off the bat get off with the synopsis of this film. So if you want to. Okay. So basically, Hugh Jackman is based off of a real life person, P.T. Barnum. And he opens a circus, and he invites all these people that are uh, traditional, like, outcasts of society. So, like, the bearded woman, um, the contortionists, dwarves, um, these types of people who are um, cast out of society. And then he gives them a community and jobs where they perform a circus, and then the... Uh, conflict of the the movie is whether or not P.T. Barnum wants to continue doing this because as he's doing it, he's not finding acceptance for himself in the, the high society, quote-unquote, of the movie. And then <laughs> he's getting ridiculed by people of his own peers. And then there's the whole conflict where the performers want to be respected by the audience, but they're not. And there's this whole back and forth, like, ooh, what's really important? what you look like on the outside or who you are on the inside. Which I think is a relatively good message for a child, or not child, like... Anybody. Anybody, yeah. But, boy, does this film don't don't execute that that well. Um, So, what were your first impressions of this film? Like, when did you first see it? Uh, I saw it for the first time, I think, when it came out on Netflix, actually. I think I gave it a watch. And then um, my initial thought was just um, that movie was so cringy at times. (laughs) Like the whole like, ooh, like realizing you've made a mistake and just the like, I was, I was, it was predictable. And I will say like, I enjoyed it. Like it was like worth a watch and I'd watch it again. But Mm -hmm. it was also just like cringy and very flashy, (laughs) Uh kind of cheap. Mm Mm-hmm. But there was a banger soundtrack, so like I'm, I'm like mixed. Like I didn't like some of this, some of the movie, and then I really loved the movie for like the soundtrack and certain parts of it that I enjoyed. So it was like it was mixed. 
Yeah, um, for me personally, I've actually, so I'm a huge fan of La La Land, and so when I heard that the people who made the music for La La Land were making the music for this, and it starred Hugh Jackman, I was like, oh, Hugh Jackman, a more theatrically trained actor, Mm -hmm. no offense to Emma Stone or Ryan Gosling, but like, I want to see where this is going, and then I heard it's about P.T. Barnum, and I'm like, oh, P.T. Barnum has like a really interesting story whether you like or dislike what he has done he has some a story that you can relatively dive deep into and so I was like okay I'm really down for this movie it has a really good cast as Hugh Jackman Michelle Williams and Daya Zach Efron and uh, I did not catch this in theaters because it was Christmas and I had other better things to do <laughs> and so when I finally did I watched it and wow I think I was so disappointed in this film like the music is, like, pretty good, I would say. If you're not a big fan of, like, big pop ballads, I don't think this music is quite right for you. Mm-hmm. But it's just so disappointing. And it's so disappointing because a lot of the themes in which it's trying to talk about are so undercut by the big flashiness of it all. It's, like, heavily, heavily romanticized. Yes. And it's really frustrating because one of my... Cause Okay, I guess on to the idea of its themes. It's just so it's I I understand that it's like a child like not a child oh, film, but a it's family like spectacle. A, yes, a family <laughs> spectacle if you were. It's PG, so you kind of have to be like more muted in what you want to talk about. So mm-hmm. in terms of that, you don't necessarily want to be super complex and in diving into the deep yeah. parts of it. And so I think that's why they try and erase P.T. Barnum's complicated side. Yeah, I read one of the one of the reviews from like a critic and he said that this film had a disappointingly low faith in its audience's intelligence. And I really agreed with that, yes, that point. Like I, yeah. I felt like even if even as a family spectacle, I felt like it's possible to tell, like, a children-appropriate story without making the audience feel like they're five, yes. you know? Like, I would have loved this film if I was five, but now mm-hmm. I'm just sitting at it, and I'm like, can you I'm just, can you hear yourself right now, this movie? Like, do you... <laughs> I just... <laughs> I, I totally agree. Like, one of my favorite films of last year was Paddington 2, and it's a family-friendly film. It's, I believe, G or PG, and it still is able to dive... it's still able to dive deeply into like diversity and like how we shouldn't be like like discriminatory towards others just because they aren't necessarily they look like you and I think this film tries and tries Mm -hmm. to do that but it loses itself so much because it's so obsessed with P.T. Barnum as a person yeah like um, so Zendaya's character and Zac Efron's character have, like, a, a, like oh, a romantic no. storyline. Yes, yes. And then it's very, like, you know, typical, like, ooh, boy likes girl, and then, ooh, boy has, boy's a coward and doesn't actually want to do it, and then, ooh, life-changing event, and then they're back together. And it's just, like, that's how you, that's how you solve that problem. Well, even speaking about that, like, there's a, such a racial undertone of that that complexity, like, the reason why his parents don't want him to be together is because Zendaya is clearly black, and he's white, and it's, like, this 1800 society, 18, 1900 century, or 19th, 20th century story, 
And so for me, I always just had that like idea. I was like, oh, like, are they considered freaks because they're black? First, that's wrong. Second, at least explore that idea a little bit. Instead, they kind of force that romance yeah, and that's because like, they're both beautiful people. The whole point of Zac Efron's character is that he's from this upper class, you know, very closed off society. And his character development in the film is for him to like, oh, I don't care about that high society thing. And I'm going to, you know... Uh, congregate with the masses because mm-hmm. initially um there's a song where this happens he's all like no pt barnum i don't want to sponsor your circus no, no, no. i like my life just the way it is with all, <laughs> with all the champagne glasses and black tie events and then through the magical element of song pt barnum manages to change his mind and the next thing, next thing you know, he and Zendaya are on a trapeze singing like a love <laughs> song together. Which that set piece is pretty good. I like out of the few things that felt like there was something going on or like some electricity happening. That felt like yeah. it was worth it. But yeah, I mean, speaking of Zac Efron's character, I feel like he's so pointless. Yeah, <laughs> other than a the fact bit. that he's like really attractive. Yeah, and the fact that he like there's there's got to be some love lovey dovey. Oh there, yeah. So. But other than that, he has, like, no point. Like, even his, like, like the thing of, like, him realizing himself. I never bought it because he was <laughs> so, so boring. Like, his previous so backstory is so boring and not nuanced. You're just like, okay, I don't even see you as a, like, misunderstood writer or something like that. Yeah, it's just, it's it's hard to believe the legitimacy of what's going on. Yeah, You're exactly. You're just like... Are you, is this real? I mean, that I feel like that's okay for, like, a musical at times. Like, yeah. musicals ask you to suspend your disbelief. Like, they're freaking going into song in the middle of a plot. And so it seems like it's okay. But, I, like, I just feel like with this film, they use the music as a way to cover up how badly this plot <laughs> is. Oh, my gosh. And how nonsensical this plot is. How do you have such a star-studded cast... And these Oscar-winning lyricists, and you still don't make this movie correctly. Like, yeah, I just, I, it's honestly, I think it's the plot. This, this plot is just so. It's watered down. It's so watered down, and it's fine to have a simple plot, but like, <sighs> just, I, yeah. What, what are you bringing to the table, like? We've seen these lessons a million times yes. in all sorts of films. And, like, you can't just add music and, like, present it as something different, Mm -hmm. I think. This is one of those films where it might not be well-received by critics, but it's going to do great at, like, the box... Or it did did do do, great at the box office, just because it's that kind of, like... It's got that flashy film, that flashy, like, family... Like, family-oriented message. Mm -hmm. And... I think when you're taking your five-year-old kids to a movie, you're not necessarily too concerned about it being, like, a very, like, deep or compelling film. Well, I think, I think, like, that idea of, like, taking to your, your five-year-old to a film and just being like, oh, it's good for them, it's okay. I feel like if you make a good film, you are able to suck in the adults as well. Like... One thing about musicals is that, the, like, or something as spectacle as this is what you want to do is you want to have your audience believe that this world is 
real or mm-hmm. magical or like to a point where like you don't necessarily want your audience to think too much. One of my favorite films of all time is Moulin Rouge and it's it does it so much to it in Moulin Rouge this is literally Moulin Rouge light. Like they're tr- mm-hmm. I, you can see the Baz Luhrmann-esque things that are going on within this film. But I think what Moulin Rouge does so much better than Greatest Showman is that it's able to create a world in which you want, you can feel the magic yeah. going on. The, you can feel like something weird is happening around, but it's okay and acceptable. Where this film, it's not necessarily that. It like, I, again, back to the Baz Luhrmann light things, like a lot of the CGI that goes around around you is like, clearly kind of like shiny and there and it's not necessarily it's noticeable it's cheap it's pretty cheap it looks cheap is what it is to and me. moulin rouge kind of has that same cheap feeling to it but i think it goes so over moulin rouge is able to make it so overboard and so welcoming that it feels natural mm-hmm. where in this film it just doesn't if i don't know if you had that same feeling yeah like there were parts of the film where i was like oh yeah i I can I see that conflict coming like a mile away or whatever mm-hmm. and it's just like it doesn't feel like as authentic and some of the the shocking parts of the movie were just not as shocking as I thought they were. <laughs> and it's just like okay, get on with it. We know they're going to fight and make up. We get it. Just, let's keep going here. Like it's just like if it were not for the soundtrack of this movie, <laughs> I would have a lot more bad things to say but like this this movie i feel like is being held up by its by its soundtrack i think this movie is being held up not only by its soundtrack but the amount of people who kind of enjoy it i think it kind of has that bohemian rhapsody fan base to it yeah where it's like (laughs) this movie is not good like i think i read something on letterboxd where it's like this is like the worst film that i enjoyed because people that's a good actually enjoy this film but it's like technically and yeah. as a as a movie it's not good and yeah, so like, I feel like what happens with a lot of these musicals is like oh I enjoyed the music so that's all I need to care about about it and I feel like when you do that you're kind of taking away from what's being presented in front of you yeah and this movie is just not it's like a pig and what's that phrase like a a hog and lipstick or something. You can't put lipstick on a pig. Oh yeah. Lipstick yeah. is the music. The pig is the movie. Yeah. And I I know I know some people who don't necessarily like this, like the music of it, and yeah. that's fine. But like, just on a technical level, this film is not good. And then I guess we, if we want to talk about this right now, how completely inaccurate this film is. Yeah. So it's wanted. I looked up P.T. Barnum on his Wikipedia page, and I was mm-hmm. like, that's not what happened in the movie. Yeah, so, as you mentioned already, Stephanie, this is a story about P.T. Barnum. P.T. Barnum is the creator of the Ringling Circus, and if you know anything about the Ringling Circus, they kind of have a history of animal abuse, mm-hmm. animal cruelty. I That's as much as I know about it, but other than that, they just don't have a good history, and that's the reason why they shut down and then if you read a little bit more into pt barnum's story he doesn't necessarily care about people around him or he doesn't he saw those what he calls freaks in this film 
Like, he was like, he, I can make money off yeah, of them. Yeah, that's literally this is like a green it. book situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that idea is never really come, it never comes across. Because if you read, again, if you read P.T. Barnum, anything about him, you will know that pretty much all he wanted to do was manipulate people for their money. And create fake joy, as someone said in the film. And they completely erase that. And they make him this wholesome, all-American hero. And I don't know if that's appropriate. Like, how much, if we want to discuss that, like, how much is appropriate to erase on someone's history just to make a good story? The thing is, they do give P.T. Barnum, like, a sort of, like, character. They they give him, like, a character, like, Fallout with Fallout, and then they make him redeem himself. Mm-hmm. But it's not along those lines. Mm-hmm. It's along something completely different. He, basically, P.T. Barnum, he runs into this this fancy singer, and he's all like, ooh, I want to take her on tour in America. And he gets, like, super carried away with these, um, this fancy singer who gets, um, like, high ratings from all these fancy high-society people that he's, like, trying to, quote-unquote, impress. And so he gets super carried away with that and forgets, like, his movie P.T. Barnum, at least, um, he forgets his original ideals of like, ooh, I'm going to give these fake people, free, sorry, not fake people, freaks, quote unquote, like a, a stage and a community and we can appreciate them for who they are. And then um, in, the, in his character Fallout and Redemption, instead he's off, um, he's off, you know, catering to this fancy singer who's getting him a bunch of fancy attention. Mm-hmm. And he feels better because of it. And then he, like, he like kisses the singer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he has, like, a fallout with his wife, who mm-hmm. is also the child of fancy people who are yeah. part of the group he's mm-hmm. trying to... And, like, that's the character arc he takes in the story. And, like, it just doesn't quite match up with... Like, I think it would have been super interesting to maybe see a little bit of evil P.T. Barnum at first. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie make him realize that that's not how he should have been. Yeah. Like, directly, like, forget the singer, even though I loved her. I loved her song in the movie. But, like... Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, right. like, I don't even think she was the one singing. I, I don't think so She either. had, they had, they, like... Like, Rebecca Ferguson's character only had, like, three lines, and then the rest of it was just her, like, a professional singer singing for mm-hmm. her. Oh, my gosh. Um, but as I was saying, it had been so much more interesting, I think, for P.T. Barnum's character if he had started out maybe like, oh, I can make money off of you, and then him maybe getting found out by his performers mm-hmm. as a as a fake, and then maybe him overcoming that and trying to do better by them. Like, that mm-hmm. would have been an appropriate and a more interesting storyline, I think, than him kissing someone on the stage and then mm-hmm. having to make up with his wife, like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It was all, this was all for you and my daughters. Uh. Mm-hmm. And while we're on the topic of music, mm-hmm. um, This Is Me, one of the songs, was actually nominated for a Golden Globe and an Academy Award. Yeah. I think it won the it Golden won Globe, Globe, but not the Oscar. Yeah, La La the Oscar Land. was Coco. Oh, was it? Remember? I thought it was La La Land. No, La La Land was 2016. Oh, my This bad. is 2017. And the, the Golden Globe went to This Is Me, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And then... The Oscar went to um, Remember Me and Coco, so it didn't win the Oscar. But they did perform it, and it was pretty good. And so the soundtrack is, like, pretty inspirational to I, people. I do really like it. Like, I've de- I have definitely listen to it 
pretty often, I'd say. Because yeah. it's, like, it's, like, a very upbeat soundtrack, and it's, like, it's, it's good. I, I enjoy it a lot, I think. But... <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't win the Oscar, because that's, like, the shit that Oscar people love. Like, inspirational music. Yeah, that's that really... also the thing, though. But, like, the Disney movies always win, like, the best original song. Mm-hmm. Right? And then it was, like, Coco. I don't even think the song nominated for Coco was the best song from Coco. <laughs> like, I just, no. <laughs> I think Remember Me was nominated, but I think there's a different one. Like La La Llorona, I think is the better song. Oh. Coco. I don't know. I, I Coco is a good Coco movie too. Much. Yeah, great Coco musical. Coco is way better than this shit show. <laughs> but back on the topic of like erasure, another person that they completely erased was Jenny Lind, the singer oh, that he I didn't meets know in about the this. So I d- when I did a little bit of research on her, she's apparently, like, this huge philanthropist. Like, all the proceedings that, she, like, she got from her singing were going to different charities that she wanted. And instead, in this film, they kind of present her as this homewrecker person. The reason yeah! she does... Oh, my God. She does, um... She does go on this trip with P.T. Barnum, like, this tour. And the reason why she leaves is because... She doesn't necessarily approve of how P.T. Barnum likes to manipulate people around him to get money. And so that's the reason why she leaves. It's not because she, she, wasn't, crush on satis- yeah, she wasn't satisfied sexually by him or something like that. And so it adds to another reason of, like, why did you do that? Like, what was, what was the point? Like, why did you have an agenda to make P.T. Barnum seem like this all-American hero when he clearly is not? If you look into anything with creating an on a generally good person like Jenny Lynn, do you know what I mean? I just I realize the motive to make this family friendly friendly, but there I think there are I think there are I think better ways it could have been done while still paying homage to the the actual story, like mm-hmm. the the direction they chose to take. P.T. Barnum's character. Like, you could have taken that in a different direction that would have been equally, if not more, as valuable Mm -hmm. and more centered instead of having this whole, like, oh, he just ran off with another woman. That's totally a story we've never heard before. Yeah, (laughs) but it's okay. He doesn't have to do anything to redeem himself, so then people will just just, forgive him. His circus burns down, and he's all like, I'm sorry, I have no money. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, it's okay. It's okay, we we still love you, even though you ditched us for Jenny Lind. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about that scene, because that scene, does he... Okay, at the end, at the bar scene, where he's like, oh my god, the circus burned down, no one wants to give me money, I lost my wife, or temporarily lost my wife. And I'm just so lonely now. And then all of a sudden, all his like circus mates come back and are like, "Oh, it's they so sing okay. a let's sing a, sing a song." <laughs> How earned did you think that was earned? Like, was that it's, even earned? Uh, it's like kind of a a little bit of a sloppy resolution, like resolution for the sake of resolution. 
Um, it was also a banger song. I think that's the one where they were, like, dancing on the bar, and they had a lot of, like, footsteps stomping, and it was very catchy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he goes, like, they sing that song, and then he goes, running back to his wife and daughters, and he's all like, I realize now you guys are the reason I, this, this is all, you, you guys were what I did this all for, and da, da, da. and he runs back, and then he sings a song with his wife on the beach, and then they, they make, make up. up. Yeah, he, I don't, he, did he even? He did say, oh, he did, he does say sorry. I mean, there's, like, an appropriate apology scene, but, like, I mean, come on, man. He didn't even apologize to his circus mates. They're just like, oh, we accept you now. Let's sing a song and drink a shit ton of alcohol. <laughs> I don't know. Like, and then, the, okay, so earlier you said that Zac Efron's, Efron's character was just useless, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say most useful he was, was at the point at the very end of the film where P.T. Barnum was like, I'm giving up the circus. Here, you can have it so I can spend time with my wife and daughters. Yes, let's let this white man be able to succeed by giving his throne to another useless <sighs> white man. <laughs> I, I would say that my, like, my biggest issue with this movie isn't, isn't even the racial undertones. It's mm-hmm. the whole, like, the... The poorly structured, retold story, I think, is my biggest, like, you had, you, why did you choose to do it this way? Like, why did you choose to take the characters? I mean, it's so interesting, because, like, this film could have totally been about anyone else. You could have literally been like, oh, just some random circus guy, this is a fictional story. And then instead they choose to, like, be like, no, this is explicitly P.T. Barnum. This is P.T. Barnum's story, even though P.T. Barnum comes with so much baggage. Yeah, I guess based on, based on a true story can be very loose sometimes. Does that sell well? I don't know. I don't, I know... I know in horror films it does, because then you're just like, oh my god, this is real. I think people, when you, based on a true story, gives, makes people, like, more interested, I think. Uh Uh-huh. Because, like, a show about a real person, a movie about a real person, probably is more eye-catching than a movie, uh, a movie about, like, this rando who started a circus. Mm -hmm. Like, I see that, I see that. There's just, you could have done, how did you screw this up with award-winning lyricists and a star? You had Hugh Jackman, Michelle Williams, and then, like, Zac Efron and Zendaya, who arguably aren't as accredited, but still, like, use, like, a quality cast. Michelle Williams, man, I think she just wanted the money. But speaking on Hugh Jackman, what do you think of him? Like, did you think he was good? I thought he was good. Uh, I do, earlier you said you appreciated that Hugh Jackman was theatrically trained, Mm -hmm. trained, and I I also really appreciate that. And Michelle Williams is also theatrically trained, too. I think she... She was in, like, a Broadway show. Oh, really? I did not know that. And so I was impressed that they... They took uh, Rebecca Ferguson was obviously not because yeah. they had someone dub over her song. I love Rebecca has, Ferguson; uh, she's great in Mission Impossible. Uh, yeah, but like, I was I was glad that they they took that liberty with casting to make sure that their actors could actually sing because I think that like that was a good job. And mm-hmm. except except for Rebecca Ferguson, and then also Zac Efron and Zendaya obviously oh, also yeah. can sing. Yes. And that, that, like, that matchup was so good. Mm -hmm. So, like, once again, you had everything laid out for you. Why, 
why did you take the film in the direction then oh like <sighs> I just once again this was like probably one of the worst movies that I've ever enjoyed yeah like I agree with that sentiment wholeheartedly like if someone came up to me and was like, hey, you want to watch The Greatest Showman? I'd be like, yeah. But then, but and then, then after you vehemently hate it as you're watching. You get it so angry. Like, why did I say yeah? But yeah. then also, like, singing along to the songs mm-hmm. at the same time. I mean, I really enjoy Hugh Jackman's performance. I don't think anyone else can play this character the way oh, he yeah. does. Because I, like, when you're watching it, he totally had so much fun doing that role. Hugh Jackman just and, wants to sing. Yes, Guys, he only wants to Everybody sing wants him to be Wolverine, but Hugh Jackman just wants to sing. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But, um, yeah, I mean, what I've heard about the making of this film, it was Hugh Jackman's passion project. And so the I can see that. idea, or that word, passion project, when you hear it in, like, Hollywood, it's kind of like, oh, this might be turned really good or it turns really bad. And usually when you see a passion project... It's kind of overstuffed because there's so many ideas that, that they want to get. That is an in. adjective you can use about this movie. This, overstuffed. Yeah, this film is really overstuffed. Bit off more than it could chew. Mm-hmm. And then at the point, uh, yeah. And so it's just like uh, it's just his passion project, and it just like dives so far off a cliff because it it's just trying to do so much, and it's trying so hard that it and it just doesn't get there. It just, it gives a very noble effort, but yeah, it falls short. it's very noble, it's very loud, but yeah. at the end of the day, like, even towards half of the film, like, it realizes that it runs out of ideas for its plot, it's like, so it stuffs in so much crap at the end. It's like, we have no more, like, conflicts to resolve, we have no more, like, fights to bring back together yeah, so to let's, make up. Yeah, so let's cause a fire? Yeah, let's burn down the circus. Let's burn down the circus, and then have them make up, and then have them do another show, and then have Zendaya and Zac Efron's character reunite, and then have the wife and the P.T. Varnum reunite, and then do another show, have it the baton passed over to Zac Efron's character, and then him living his life. Yeah. That's all in 30 minutes or less. And this film is an hour and 40 minutes long. Yeah. So it does not balance really well This could all. be our good-bad movie for a week 10. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I already watched hey. it this week. I don't think I can watch it again. Okay, maybe next quarter, our good-bad movie, The Greatest Showman. Oh, man. But I think... I don't know. With those good bad movies, when we show them, like they're kind of like objectively bad. I feel like a lot of people think this movie is good. So. Oh yeah, you might you might start so, some conflict. Yeah, it's like although again, the I like and Rhapsody and- in week ten though. Like I would, this would be a nice like de-stressor movie. Like not very. It doesn't take very much intelligence to watch. This movie requires no intelligence. <laughs> like. Oh, man. Like, okay, so we've got a couple pros and cons about the movie. So, like, pros, great cast, great music, um, great attempt at, like, a reasonable, like, good movie theme. Yeah. Then we have cons, like, accuracy of story, execution of story. Plot is so watered down. Yeah, the romanticization of real-life events and Mm -hmm. things like that. And you put them all together, and you just get, like... A clusterfuck. Yeah. Like, I'm... Oh, I, I feel very mixed. Like, I'd... 
the worst movie I've ever enjoyed. It's just like, so messy. And I've seen it like three end. times. <laughs> and every time I'm like, wow, what a banger. That was, oh, but a terrible movie. Like It's just so, so messy. Because, again, if you want to go back to the idea of a kid movie, there's this one scene in particular I was just like, oh, my God, I'm so over this film. And it was during that fire scene where, like, the... They have this fire going on, and it's supposed to be this real tragic moment. And then two elephants come in the background. <laughs> These giant CGI elephants are just in the background hanging there. And I just burst out laughing. I was like, why the fuck are there two elephants in the back of that scene when you're supposed to try and be evoking tragedy? And like, that pretty much just summed up the whole film for me. Like, they tried to stuff it with these, like cool CGI things, and then it's just like, but you can't hit There's that also up. that scene where P.T. Barnum arrives at his daughter's ballet performance on an elephant. Oh, oh, yes. And I was like, how are you going to get down from there? <laughs> you don't have, like, a ladder or anybody to help. Who is it? Where are you going to park the elephant? Like, buddy, Animal help me out here. Much? Animal cruelty much? Seriously. Oh, man. Like... There was even another part when they were, oh my god, we're just like nitpicking at this point. But yeah, like, we're, nit- we're totally <laughs> nitpicking. Like, I still recommend this movie. Like, you should see it and develop your own feelings about it. And <laughs> just definite recommend, not super great quality. But like, there was another part where like, he buys that, the really big mansion. Oh, we have to talk about the mansion later. But <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes, the mansion. But... When he buys the mansion and it's all refurbished, they're on fucking zebras. They're not even on horses. They're on these zebras, which just shows how fantastical they're trying to create this world. But it's Mm -hmm. so, uh, it's so unable to do so. Yeah, like the mansion is part of P.T. Barnum's, like his like becoming materialistic and wanting the high society praise. Like, because I think when I the think movie starts to, out... Yes, okay, interrupt. Yeah, yeah um, he and Michelle Williams are like, oh, we're in love, and... Okay, so oh, a bit more background material. P.T. Barnum grows up as, like, this poor kid of son of, like, a shoe polisher or something, mm-hmm. and then Michelle Williams is this prim daughter of some rich person, yeah, yeah. and then they meet each other, and, like, you know, child, children, as children, they sing, like, a duet, and then they grow up, and they're, they fall in love, and then um, they sing another, like, reprise of whatever duet, yeah. and then they start out living in this, like, really small, like, city apartment, but they're like, oh, it doesn't matter, we're together. And but, like, clearly, Hugh Jackman's character is like, no, this is not okay. <laughs> He, he, like, passes it off as, like, I want the best for my daughters, and then just goes over the top and gets mm-hmm. them, like, a mansion. Yeah. Oh, man. And then, like... Well, that mansion... Can we speak talk about the logistics of that mansion being... There are I know four people silly. in that family. Not even four people. It's in the middle of the fucking woods. Yeah. How do you build a mansion in the middle of the fucking woods? It's, like, made of marble, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, like... In the beginning, when they first introduced that mansion as a concept, it's like this rundown thing, and then all of a sudden, it's this extravagant thing in the and still in the middle of the fucking woods. Like, how does that, how does that work? Oh man! And then they're in the woods, but then the place where that circus is is like this industrialized city. How do those things? Why? How are those things so close to each other? Is my real question. Like back then when they were traveling by horse carriages and everything. Yes. Like, oh man. Like I how? don't know. It's a musical. You gotta believe, but Cynthia. You can't because this movie <laughs> you gotta believe executes the suspension of 
disbelief so poorly that I that's true. Can't it's my it's difficult to believe the legitimacy of some of the things in this film. It's like it's like. I'm not a fairy tale. I'm based on a real life story, but it like it like is a fairy tale. Uh, and then on the animal thing you're talking about with the fire and the elephants, there's actually a scene afterwards. They're like all the ele- all the animals got away, but we couldn't save any of the circus. <laughs> like they just had to put that line away line in there. Like all the el- animals got away. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry. We didn't actually like abuse animals, but, you know, P.T. Barnum's real life, he did. And the Ringling Circus did. Yeah, oh. Oh, man. Oh. Big, big oof. Big oof. Not, big cringe. <laughs> he is not happy. Um, but back to the idea of materialism, I think this movie's honestly just a big F you to, like, high society people, which... I don't know if I like that or not. I'm not high. We're not high society people. For like, yeah, for a movie that talks, that tries really hard to not, to promote not being not materialistic. Like Mm -hmm. the movie is materialistic. Yes. (laughs) Like if you look at the the costuming and the set design and everything, it's like over the top. Mm -hmm. Which is like, I guess that contributes to like the legitimacy issue. Like, yeah, I have hard time believing that you guys are trying not to be materialistic when, like, you know, P.T. Barnum's off buying, like, a mansion, even Mm -hmm. though that's earlier in his character development. And, like... Yeah, I just saw it as, like, this big F you to high society, to critics, to anyone really, like... That's true. Trying to dampen your vibe, I guess. That's not a good sentence. But, like, (laughs) I hate when films have, like, these cartoonish critics and cartoonish villains... Especially with the critic's idea, though. Like, oh, I hate that idea. Where he was just, like, that snobby critic guy is just, mm-hmm. like... And he's just... P.T. Barnum's, like, his only, like, sole purpose with that guy is just to prove him wrong. Because he's so snobby and so high society. Yeah. Like, hated the circus, loved Jenny Lind. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. What a surprise. And it's... Ugh. And they make him... make They make P.T. Barnum as this guy who's, like always has a grudge that he needs to fulfill. Yeah, he has, like, this, it, this like, high society itch that he needs yeah. to scratch all the time. But, like, and but and then, like, he always has that high society itch because they represent him as this guy who everyone thinks is a pathological liar. <laughs> but he's not, re- like, he kind of is, but he doesn't, it's not so extreme to the point where you're just like, oh, I hate this dude. Yeah. Like, and so there's a reason for those high society people to hate that dude. Mm-hmm. But that never really happens. Yeah, like, yeah, it's just a... And then also in terms of the materialistic point, what scene did you think was more prominent? This or the empowerment of, like, Ooh, that's... um... Because I think it tries to do both. And I think they're trying to do the empowerment diversity thing over the materialistic thing, especially in the first half. I think they try to, like, equate the two, kind of. But you... Uh, that's like an like if you're line to walk not on. if you're not materialistic, then you will not judge people by their outer appearances. Or that's like that's like a weird thing to put together. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Because you can be high society and still accept people for who they are. And I think this film tries really hard to push the idea of accepting people for who they are. 
Like, that whole This Is Me. Yeah, that's, like, song. approved that's like, message. That's, like, it's Apex, yes. It is a really good it's theme. And then they UW drop Film it. Club approves. Yeah, and then they drop that message, though, if you really think about it. Yeah, because it's not about that anymore at the end. At, at that at point, end, it's about P.T. It's about P.T. and Barnum and it's at so the end. Frustrating. Because at the end, you're you're looking at P.T. Barnum's like, oh, I was wrong the whole time. I love my wife and kids. I'm not gonna like yeah. Yeah, then, a film that celebrates diversity and empowerment in the first half drops it for to create an illusion of this character. Like. There's like it like kind of contradicts itself. It like co- don't it be materialistic, but let's itself. have P.T. Barnum go on on tour and not make profit until his forty first show. This film is a, literally <laughs> a giant contradiction of itself. Like at the end, does P.T. Barnum move out of the mansion or does he keep it? Or like at the end, okay, so halfway point where he takes Jenny Lind as his like act instead of the circus people uh-huh um and he kind of has this thing where he's like oh these are my side people these are like he kind of i i get the feeling that he kind of does see them as freaks in the halfway through freaks i guess and the halfway through point i don't know why i just quote, did quotation marks because no one can see it but <laughs> yeah um and then because he doesn't really apologize to him, do you ever get the sense that he really sees them as these diverse human beings and who should be celebrating their individuality? Maybe when I think he, I think that the turning point for that is when they come back and help him. Like once they give him a boost, then he's like, "Oh, I appreciate you guys." But that's so. Oh, that oh, that can't be it. That can't be it, right? Because then it's just like, oh, we're helping this guy. And well, like, then once made, you help me, once you help then me, I'll I see re- you yeah. as equal. Like, that's not a... <laughs> and, okay, we are being very nitpicky, and, like, the a lot of the things we're criticizing is, like, pre-character development P.T. Barnum. There's but... no character development <laughs> in any of these characters. They're all so one-dimensional. Pre, pre-character conflict, P.D. Barnum, <laughs> when he's getting on the money train and then somehow is not on it anymore at the end of the, for, at the end of the very, like, the pace of the movie picks up very quickly at in the, the, end, in the yeah. last, whatever. It's just like, we all need to wrap things, this up. Yeah. So. Like, oh man. And then also with the money thing. Zac Efron and Hugh Jackman literally sing a song arguing about what percentage of the profit they can each take from the circus. They're like, seven, 19, 9, 15, Zac Efron's a horrible 10. negotiator. Yeah. No offense. 10% of the show, please. You can do better, man. Yeah. And then... And then at the end, somehow it was enough to restart the circus <laughs> after it burned down. And then it inspires him to have these dock circuses with tents. And then there's no explanation of that, except he's a genius and is able to think about those ideas, which is, again, ugh. But back to that bar scene. They also, they drink, like, seven shots I noticed that. in I wrote three that in minutes. I like, wrote, like, I was like, they drink so many shots. No, How are they not? One time I was watching it, 
um, like our our dorm had like an event where they put it on, and then this girl next to me was like, "I'm gonna count how many shots they drink." And the song is like two or three minutes, and they drink like seven shots each. <laughs> like I don't, I'm not a drinker, but mm-hmm. I've gotten like one of those charts that tells me how much to drink and what your BAC is, and it like like seven shots in three minutes is a lot. <laughs> like how are they still dancing on top of bars and on tables? After their seventh shot. And how does Hugh Jackman successfully convince Zac Efron's character to join the circus? I don't. I didn't buy it. It was just like, oh, you're unsatisfied, Zac Efron. You're unsatisfied. Yeah. Your that also. There's also that. Like, and I was like, what? You. You if like just told, met him. Yeah. Like, if someone what? told me you're well, unsatisfied with your life, Cynthia. I would be like, invest okay, your money into a circus. Cool. I'm not gonna invest my time into that. Oh, this movie is just so, so service level and so... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I just... When you really divide, when you really pick apart the parts, you're just like, these pieces do not fit together. What are you doing? Yeah, exactly right. All right, any... I guess... We've talked enough about this film. Yeah. We've gone real deep into it. Yeah, just, there are good things and there are bad things. You should see it for yourself. Yeah. And if you feel like us, where you think it's a bad movie, but you, you, or you kind of enjoyed it, or you like, I don't know, you thought the soundtrack was a banger, that's the, that's the saving grace for me. Yeah, so are those kind of your final thoughts? Yeah, just, there are good things, there are bad things, the soundtrack is the saving grace of this film. Yeah, I and it, think... it is appropriate for families, like, it's a good family spectacle. Yeah, I think it's definitely appropriate for family, family people, or not family people, my family households kind of stuff. It's a film that doesn't necessarily require you to think at all. Um, If you can get over that fact, I think you'll really enjoy this film. Oh, yeah. If you cannot, like, I think we're just so jaded and so analytical at this point with films that, like, something like this comes along, it's hard to enjoy it because you can see all the flaws that are going on within it. But, I mean, the song is good if you like really, like, big pop ballads. That's what we particularly like, so that's why we enjoy it. I know a lot of people don't. Totally fine. Music genre. Yeah. It's a taste. It's yeah. a, a subject. Credit is due where credit is due, and then nothing and then is due nothing. everywhere yeah. else. Um, there's a sequel coming out for this. Oh, yeah, yeah they so announced that. February 2019 that um, a sequel is in production. Wow, that's just really... Really sad. I'm, I'm kind of excited. I kind of want to see it and <laughs> just see how oh. it works out. Oh God! What can I hope they go more deep into PT Barnum? Maybe they will. Maybe they'll solve Maybe the problems. They of Maybe the first they'll movie. stop erasing complex things and erasing people's lives, past histories to make a good story. Who knows? Uh, well, thank you for coming on to the You're show, welcome. Stephanie. I enjoyed it. Um, we I enjoyed ripping this film as well. Um, <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed. Um, so check us out. On Facebook at UW Film Club. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Film Club UW. You can find this podcast every Monday at 8 a.m. on SoundCloud, Spotify, I, Apple, the iTunes. iTunes Store, and did I say Google Play? We have Google Play, yes. Okay. Did I say that already? No. no, we have Google Play. And yeah, comes up every. Monday, 8 a.m., not 8 p.m. I think I said 8 p.m. 8 a.m. 8. Always bring on a new member. And next week, not sure what we're going to be recording, but it should be good. So check that out as well. 
And, uh, you know, check out our promo codes on, you know, Wix.com, HelloFresh, Blue Apron. We all have all the stuff. We have everything. So, uh, so see you next week with a movie we'll talk about, undisclosed movie we'll talk about. Thanks for listening. Bye.